0: Hello out there and welcome to the scoop.com podcast, the official podcast of Gamecockscoop.com. Uh, If you joined us for our live stream like 30 minutes ago, <laughs> we're doing it again. Sorry. Uh, we had a really crappy internet connection that we're hoping is going to be a little bit better this time. Uh, today we're previewing South Carolina versus Tennessee and maybe taking some kind of like overarching looks at the state of the program. Um, as always, we start the com podcast talking about recruiting. Um, there's going to be a giant visitors list this weekend, uh, both in terms of a decent amount of names and also just uh, stature of recruits. Um, the biggest sort of note, I think, to start with is that Juco O'Lyman Keyshawn Blackstock is set to take an official visit this weekend. Um that's definitely one that I brought up on the weekly recruiting wrap up a couple weeks weeks ago to kind of keep your eye on. So, um, good sign that he's taking an official visit to campus. Uh, as always, I'll have a ton of recruiting info in the weekly recruiting wrap up tomorrow on Gamecockscoop.com for subscribers. So definitely go check that out. A couple other notes uh, tomorrow, 2024, or this weekend, 2024, wide receiver Jalewis Solomon who's a four-star, uh, is set to take a visit for the game. Um, I know that our recruiting editor, Lee Wardlaw, has a connection there, so hopefully we'll have some some follow-up on that. Um, and then 2024DB, who's also a four-star, Braden Lee uh, posted his top 10, and South is in it uh, as expected there. Gray and, uh, Coach Torian Gray and Shane Beamer put in a ton of work there. That's uh, one of those DMV area recruits where both of their names sort of hold a good bit of sway in that region. Um, and then one other interesting note, uh, is that uh, Juco running back, Robert Henry, um, set up an official visit with Kentucky and South Carolina to, with for December. And then according to his Twitter, he is set to announce his commitment December 17th, right after those visits. Um, to me again, a little bit of speculation, but also just, you know, Intel or whatever that would suggest that, uh, Kentucky decommitment Khalifa Keith, uh, who was high on South Canada's list, maybe is looking more towards Tennessee or something like that. Um, and yeah, I think Henry would, if, if South Carolina could pick him up, it, he would fill a much needed spot as we've seen throughout this season where, um, If Marshawn Lloyd, who is obviously your lead back, goes down, you don't have a ton of experience outside of Juju McDowell, who can't really be an every down back um, behind him. And that's why we have Gene Bell starting at running back right now. And um, I mean, I guess Christian Smith would fill that role a little bit more, but he's also been banged up. So yeah, definitely need a a little bit of depth, um, veteran depth in that running back room for next year. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. All right uh let's talk a little bit of tennessee so uh vibes are not great right <laughs> now uh in on the message boards at gameclassgroup.com and other people that i've talked to in the fan base um and you know south carolina went on this little run where they won four straight uh everything was feeling good hit that top 25 but since then they've gone one and two and had two of their worst performances of the year uh, in a loss at home versus missouri and then of course last week on the road in the swamp where the wheels completely fell off um i don't know throughout the shane beamer era thus far uh i feel like there's been a couple times where things have felt pretty low and buried um i think last year coming off the mizzou loss actually uh and then things sort of turn around so i do expect to see a good bit of fight from this team this week um just based on the track record thus far, but it's going to take a little bit more than fight, uh, to sort of hang with this Tennessee team. So what are your like overall impressions as far as you're thinking about this game?
1: I, we talked about this a little bit in our first one before you got, before we got cut out with the internet. Um, I'm kind of of the belief that if you're going to have any chance here and I understand it's remote, it's slim, it's whatever, you're going to have to fight fire with fire. Um, and what I mean by that is even if Marshawn Lloyd plays, even if Christian Biel Smith plays, I don't think doing the ball control time of possession, we're going to be on the field 40 out of 60 minutes thing works. Tennessee is first in the country in yards, but 126 in time of possession, meaning they score, they score quickly. They don't need a lot of time. Even that offense on the field for 20 minutes can burn you. So I think it's more about you got to be aggressive here. I think you need to take chances. Um, and you got to stay in the game in the first quarter. It's what the soul kind of comes back to, right?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this is something that we've talked about going back to last year and then through a lot of this year's through several of these big games. I mean, pretty much all of their losses, right? Uh, they have gotten behind early. So, you're down by three scores at Arkansas. You're down by a billion against Georgia. You're down by 17 against Mizzou. And then last week, you're down by 24. Uh, before you get anything going, if you yeah start off the first quarter like you have in those other losses, um, I mean, I think we already kind of are feeling like this is a probable, obviously, they're 21 point underdogs. This is already a probable loss, but if you want to even make it respectable, you can't have a first quarter like you did against Tennessee last year, or like you did against any of those opponents this year.
1: Yeah, and then that kind of goes back to what's the path to that, right? Because Tennessee's going to do what it does on offense. They're going to move the ball. And then Hooker's here for a reason. Like, he's in the Heisman conversation for a reason. How does this offense move the football, especially if Marshawn Lloyd doesn't play? We've heard basically all the same stuff from Shane Beamer this week that we heard Florida week and Vanderbilt week. Maybe there's a little bit more of a bump this week that he doesn't have to be ready to travel is no like limited travel roster you get. Obviously you can trust more people for home games by NCAA rules. So maybe that's a bump, but I still don't expect Marshall Lord to be, even if he plays, he's not going to be Marshall Lloyd. So you're going to find other ways to do this. And I don't really know what plan B is at this point for the offense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I could just sit here and give you a lot of dead air there because I don't really think uh, that there is a proven plan B at this point. I mean, obviously there's been some moments uh, with like Antoine Wells. There's been some moments with a little bit of wrinkles with the carry-on joiner. Um, but, I mean, that's maybe how you score 7 points or 14 points. Mm-hmm. How do you score 30 points and actually make this into a uh, shootout that is respectable and, and pushes into the fourth quarter and starts to put pressure on Tennessee? I really don't see a path without Lloyd being healthy. Um, you know, maybe that's just me being too doom and gloom here, but I I don't know what that path looks like. I mean, yeah, I guess you have Rattler play the game of his South Carolina career, the game of
1: his last two years. That's what it's going to have to be. And you mentioned Antoine Wells Jr. I think you bring up a good point there. For one, other than Charlotte SC State, the one game this year where this offense has really clicked for let's say three quarters. Cause they started flat, like you said, but they put up 30 points at Arkansas Rattler through for over 300 yards. I think Wells had two touchdowns in that game. That's the one and only time we've kind of seen what it was supposed to look like maybe. Um, and they pushed the ball vertically. They were attacking, they were attacking deep. Um, it was an aggressive kind of game plan in general. And I, I, I don't know what the propensity is to execute that at this point with where the offense is and what it's shown the last few weeks, particularly in pass protection against Florida. Um, but I think that's what it's going to have to look like if there's any chance here.
0: Well, that was the, what I was about to say. I think Tennessee's front uh, is probably a little better than Arkansas's front. And now, I, I mean, Arkansas had a decent, a uh, couple of decent play, players, obviously with bumper pool and uh, Drew Sanders. Yeah, exactly. Um, which obviously, I mean, they got to Rattler quite a few times in that game, too. But um, yeah, you know, I don't see them consistently. I don't see Rattler consistently taking five-step drops and getting away with it very much in this game. So yeah, I mean, we've talked about it several times. You need to be able to set up some screens, but not only run screens. You need to be able to uh, hit some crossing patterns over the middle. You need to find a ways to get Jaheem Bell involved, other than just handing it to him 15 times a game. Um, And none of those things have been shown through the first nine games of the season, 10 games of the season. Uh, So I don't know where that's gonna come from all of a sudden in one week, Uh, but we sure can hope. Here's one thing that I will say. I I feel like I'm being a little negative. Um, That environment uh, on Saturday night is going to be electric uh, or at least ready to be electric. Um, It's a sellout, um, nice night game seems like the weather's going to be nice. Uh, so, like, if some good things happen early, I do think that there is a path to make uh, Tennessee feel the pressure um, uh, once you get the crowd behind you and everything, being in a hostile environment. But that's really and, – and we haven't seen that happen very often except for maybe, like, Texas A&M, which – isn't going to make a bowl probably. So.
1: There's something to be said there, though. Tennessee – and, again, I understand Georgia's defensive front, South Carolina's defensive front. It's a completely different animal. It's almost not even worth mentioning. But Tennessee had eight false starts when they went to Athens. The crowd was in that game, had an impact, caused problems, You know, negative plays. It's something we heard from Zach Dickens and Jordan, per- Jordan Burch this week. Um, you make an early play, the crowd gets into it. I'm not going to say South Carolina is going to win the game, or even that's enough to keep it close. But that is the only path here: some kind of early momentum shift, turnover, special teams play, um, something that gives you a lead early and at least gives something, some puts some kind of doubt in the back of Tennessee's mind. I guess is how I would put that. Yeah,
0: uh, you're also going to have to play a clean game, so you can't have three turnovers and four plays like they had last week. Uh, you can't have the turnover troubles that they've had all year. Really, I mean. The defense, to their credit, has done a good job of creating turnovers. But just like last year, the offense uh, is one of the worst teams in the country in, uh, the, in their own turnover. So uh, you're going to have to win the turnover margin, which has happened pretty rarely uh, throughout the past two years, and get the crowd to stay in it past the first three drives.
1: That, yeah, that's the whole thing, though, and it's, again – you talked about like overarching program themes, things we things you can maybe take out of this game, regardless of what the final score says, kind of looking big picture now as we're pretty much coming to the end of the season. If it looks the same way it did last week and Georgia and Arkansas and Missouri and Tennessee last year, and AM last year, and even East Carolina last year before they pulled it back, I don't know what that says exactly, but it doesn't say anything good. So I do think it is important to not get completely splattered on the canvas here in the first quarter. Um, I don't know if it's possible, though. I just... Uh. Yeah,
0: and then so we, we've talked about how the South Carolina offense is going to struggle because they struggle regardless of the opponent. Um, and then the defense has been pretty good, especially in the second half of games. But this Tennessee offense is making some of the best defenses in the country uh <laughs> problem. So uh which South Ghana is not one of the best defenses in the country. They've been a solid bin but don't break unit. Um this also kind of brings up like an overarching like point, I guess, which is do you think that Clayton White is kind of skating by a little bit because of all of the attention that's being put on Marcus Satterfield? Or do you think people are just being understanding because he has seemed to get the most out of maybe a Uh, talent-deficient, at least in some places, uh,
1: group. Can I split the difference there? Like, I do – obviously, if this offense was better, if this offense was putting up 30 points a game, even like 25 points a game regularly, Clayton White would be getting more criticism. Um, But I also don't think he's been completely devoid of it. We heard a lot about Florida rushing for almost 400 yards. We heard about three straight touchdowns to start the game. Um, I don't know. I mean – you look at the message board the same way I do there. I don't think Clayton white is blameless or going blameless in this. Um, But at the same time, I do think gestures broadly at kind of the tone around the, around the offense right now, he is probably in a, I don't want to use the word fortunate, but a better spot because of that.
0: And I do think um, like we knew going into Shane Beamer era that the linebacker core was, you know, a bit iffy and getting straw green back this year has helped some, but it's still got the, some of the same problems because they haven't been able to filter in talent yet. There is help coming. Uh, I think the freshmen are going to hopefully develop a little bit stone Blanton, And um, even a young guy like Ben Martin, Scott who has shown some flashes this year. Um, and then uh, you have a really great uh recruit and pop Howard coming in next year. So hopefully that starts to fix some of the issues because the defensive lines played pretty well. Secondaries played pretty well um, throughout the season. I mean, you have Gilbert Edmond, who's a tough spot, but I think it's still exceeded expectations. Um, But that second level, has really been struggling in the especially in the perimeter run game, which that's the whole that's thing
1: though. The run of the perimeter. I guess where I would put the most criticism on Clayton White, and I understand if you have a talent deficiency, which I think we agree South Carolina does at linebacker and kind of in general right now. Uh at least what kind of some of the Must Champ stuff's facing out of the program. We all knew what Florida was going to do last week. There were no surprises in that game plan. We all knew more or less what Vanderbilt was going to do two weeks ago. Obviously, Vanderbilt didn't win that game, but they scored 27 points. Um, I I don't want to use the word like, you know, predictable, but it is kind of, I think, offensive coordinators, a lot of them can maybe plug and play what they want to do against the South Carolina defense from week to week. And generally, it's going to work. And whatever adjustments are being made at halftime or middle of the second quarter, I guess, after the Florida game, they got got a couple stops going into the half. Uh, It's too late. Um, That's what I go back to said earlier about being knocked out early. The game was over in the first quarter last week, and it has happened a few times this year. And that the nature of that, not just the fact that it's over, but the fact that teams are kind of doing what you knew they were going to do to you and you still can't stop it. That's kind of where I think the criticism should lie, maybe more than other things.
0: Yeah, especially because you have seen them bounce back so well in the second half in so many of these games. So it's just like what is happening pre-game or in um, game prep, you know, as far as scheme wise, that seems to get fixed after halftime, but is not uh coming out of the gate that way. And I, I mean that luckily that seems fixable, right? It seems like something that uh I don't know, He's 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 got a football mind that seems to be working well against these offenses in the second half, but uh, whatever it is, motivation, I don't know what it is um, to get the team firing out uh, from the gate needs to be fixed. If not this year, next year, whatever. Um, so, what I saw you put this question on the dock and I think it's a good one. And we can say for the defense or for the team in general, what's like a Score where you feel kind of happy about this, the result of this game. Um, because again, they're 21 point underdogs, no one's gonna pick them to win this game, probably. Uh, but at what point do you feel like you got a moral victory or whatever? Which I know some people hate, but that's not what it is right now.
1: I, I know I put like a couple final score numbers or like questions in the doc. Um, I think if you wanted to play it that way or think what's a win, a win is. You know, 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter. A win is 17 or 20 at halftime. Yeah, things spiral in the second half. I mean, last week, that was a 28-24 game last week, Tennessee-Missouri, and then it it's 66-24. Tennessee's, they've got depth. They wear teams down. They're going to have their foot on the gas in the fourth quarter trying to impress the playoff committee. To me, your barometer for success or improvement or whatever you want from the defense, where are we at the end of the first quarter? Is this a 10-0 game or is this a 31-0 game or 28 like last year at, at Um You need to see first quarter progress as much as anything else. I think that's kind of how – I. Would, not to say the other three quarters don't matter, but that's kind of where I would look for if you want some kind of moral victory here is just force a punt in the first quarter. How's that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think if you can go into halftime down seven to ten points or whatever, you probably feel pretty good. And then um, we talked to – tyler mansfield at volreport.com We every week do a exchange with someone in the rivals network uh that the the, uh, the gamecocks opponent and um he wrote a little preview article on gamecocksgroup.com you can check out but his final score prediction was 45 21 i believe yep um and i i sent that uh to our slack and was kind of like that's not Bad? I mean it's it's not good I, it's more than the spread right um, but for some reason that score to me is like okay well you didn't embarrass yourself. Um, it's not 48 to six or whatever they lost to Georgia uh, in the opening week 48 to 7. Um, so yeah I mean I, I think you need to score a few touchdowns and limit the damage with Tennessee as much as possible.
1: Yeah, and if you kind of – obviously, this isn't how scores work, but if you kind of have the projection there and you say, okay, half of 45 is like 22-23, half of 21 is like 10 probably. A 23-10 game at halftime, you'd probably take that. If you're South Carolina, you'd say that's a better first-half defense that's keeping you in the game, at least given a chance. Um, I don't also know.
0: means you didn't go uh... – 11 plays and three drives on offense that's the other part did. you know we're talking
1: about the defense in the first quarter but it's all feeds into each other like the complementary football i mean three and out to start the game at florida and then another three and out and then they got one first down and had to punt so i guess that was six plays on a series um yeah game's over it games it you got to stay on i do i know what i said earlier about attacking downfield and maybe trying to fight fire with fire here um but really, you have, to, you have to do whatever you can to just put up points, period, early in the game. Just anything to stem the tide for Tennessee.
0: Yeah, and we still definitely differ on that. Like, I think if you have a healthy Marshawn Lloyd, I am all about just trying to pound it out and run some clock and limit the damage, limit the possessions that Tennessee gets. Um, but if you don't have Marshawn Lloyd, then you may be right. Let's just get get out there and try to... Uh, get an early lead maybe on the first drive or two and get into a shootout and it's probably not going to work out for you but i don't know that you have any other options
1: i think you kind of got to go down swinging here um that's i guess just the way i would put it
0: um all right so let's kind of put your money where your mouth is or whatever what's your actual score prediction in this one
1: I don't know how many times you've ever heard Rocky top in person, but I think you're going to do it a few times Saturday night. I'm saying Tennessee 52 South Carolina 20.
0: That's almost exactly what I was about to say. Um, So just to have something different, I'm going to say it's going to South Carolina is going to come out um, after a disappointing performance and, and come out with some fire and, and have some success at home, especially in front of that crowd, which I think will be a factor um and then tennessee will pull away in the second half so i'll call it 48 to 30 uh tennessee I'll, you know somehow they're going to get to 30 um That's, i think
1: you take that honestly like you're 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 covering you picked them to cover there
0: yeah yeah um now granted last week i also said they were going to score 30 so so did i uh, <laughs> that didn't i'm altering expectations this week <laughs> yeah. um all right, let's let's look real quick at some national football stuff, and then I do want to talk about basketball because there's quite a few important games for both the men and women over the next several days. Um, but yeah, nationally, it's a, a quiet week. week. Yeah, exactly. Um, you got Illinois and Michigan, which is kind of interesting. Illinois, ah. you know, showing at least the ability to uh, run the ball, play some solid defense. Uh, Michigan's. Probably gonna cover the 18 points though. Probably not If that, Chase Brown's yeah. not healthy, that game's over in the yeah. first half. Um uh the SEC is very light pretty much across the board. I mean, you got Alabama playing Austin P. Yeah, it's so on um, Saturday. <laughs> but uh you also have Georgia Kentucky again, probably not too much, but maybe you know Will Levis can have a 2021-esque uh performance and and make that one look a little bit interesting. Um You got Clemson-Miami. That doesn't seem like it's going to be all that exciting. Arkansas will miss, maybe? That game's always dumb.
1: I mean, I remember the seven overtime one or whatever it was. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's always a chance for weird stuff in that game. So, sure, we can call that interesting.
0: And then you have the Pac-12 showdowns, really, that are going to kind of determine uh how the end of the season plays out there so you got usc ucla that's a nine and one usc who's still fighting for playoff position uh at ucla usc is only favored by two and a half there that's a 8 p.m eastern kick on fox so that'll be a fun one to watch and then uh after that on espn you got utah and oregon kicking off at 10 30 eastern um yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm kind of excited to watch both of those. I mean, it'll be me watching them after the fact, I guess. But those, yeah, those two
1: really. good games. I don't know. Those are kind of like Pac-12 semifinals here before the championship game in two weeks. Um, I think I picked USC and Oregon on our sheet, but keep stay tuned for staff picks on our website. Um, I guess coming tomorrow probably or maybe Saturday morning.
0: Yeah, that'll be Saturday morning. Okay. So GameCoxCoop.com, We each week do staff picks. Um, I. We're like kind of all very close together at this point. Like, I'm still holding it's still, leads, but
1: it's, I think yeah. I'm, it's getting late though. I might be able to hold on here. It's only two weeks of regular season to go.
0: I'm going to have to find some uh, places to pick against you this week to try to make up some gaps. Um, but yeah, I think if I'm not playing it strategically or whatever, probably pick USC. Although on the road, their defense has struggled against a good, and this is a good offense. That'll, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I'll probably pick Oregon over Utah, but Utah's favored by two right now. But it's at Oregon.
1: I know Oregon lost at home last week, but that's still a tough place to go. And I don't know, Utah's already lost in one tough road environment this year at Florida. So we'll see. Uh, it's definitely the Pac 12's week here. Definitely. Um,
0: all right. Let's talk a little basketball. So we talked on Monday about uh, last week. The men's team got off to a 2-0 start, got a win over rival Clemson. Um, this week, the women's team goes to Clemson tonight, which you're going to go to and uh, be covering from the court side, uh, which, I mean, South Carolina is 111 straight there. Uh, you can read the preview of that game on GamecockScoop.com right now. Um, but not really expected uh, to be much of a battle unless South Carolina is just looking ahead but that's the really truly intriguing matchup this weekend south ghana has got a showdown with number two stanford on sunday afternoon anything you wanted to talk about with the women on either, either of those
1: uh i just had one note for the women um obviously you know clemson's not as good they should be clemson it's still a rivalry game it's still one you get up for um at Don Staley's media availability yesterday kind of previewing clemson and stanford um, she meant she said, "quote I know we're not very efficient, but we're taking good shots, or we take good, sh- we're trying to take good shots. Excuse me, we're aware of what's good and what's bad." That was in regard to the three-point shooting, which is kind of the one problem for this team right now. They are 27.4% from beyond the arc right now. Um, we talked about it a little bit Sunday. Obviously, when you have a Boston and Camila Cardoso, you can solve a lot of your problems by going down low. But this is still a big, heavy team. It's more of a forward-skewed roster. And they are, it is interesting to hear that about outside shooting and kind of they feel like they're still getting the right looks, even if they're not falling. And that's something they're going to need a few of those to fall on Sunday against Stanford. So that's my one note on the women um, that I thought was interesting that Dawn said yesterday to us.
0: Yeah, I don't have the stat right in front of me, but I think Zia Cook went like four of 12 from three point uh, last time, which uh, had her either leading the team or second in the team in scoring because she made four of them, but she also missed a lot of them. Um, so yeah, I need to be a little more efficient there, but also like we on Monday, like do they, because they out rebound every team they play by, well, they do against
1: Stanford. Right? is kind of the point they're going right. to have to on right. Sunday, which is what makes it interesting and why I threw it in the, in the doc. Um, we'll see how that goes Sunday. Um, we've got to, they got to take care of tonight first, but that's definitely as big or nearly as big of a test as they're going to have the whole regular season coming up this Sunday
0: right and if you don't remember last year south Carolina beat stanford but only 66 to 65 so definitely a big game for both teams uh we'll have coverage of that on Um and then the men's team starts the charleston classic later this afternoon here in about three and a half hours actually Uh, and we'll do a live thread and all that on gamecocksgroup.com for that, but they're kicking off Colorado state, which interestingly, I did the preview for, and I was fully prepared to pick Colorado state, uh, before I started writing the preview. But then as I wrote the preview, I actually realized Colorado state, um, they had a, uh, their star point guard go down in the preseason. He's out for right now, maybe for the whole season. Um, they had their leading scorer from last year. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name right Nathan now. David roddy right? Yeah, that was a, another guard. He's moved on. the NBA now,
1: yeah. Yep.
0: Um, so, yeah, they're, they're kind of an inexperienced rebuilding team. They do have a freshman. Again, can't remember his name right now. You'll have to watch or go read preview. But uh, hey. he's been giving them some solid minutes and already averaging um, like 12 points a game right now. So... I they haven't really been tested at all. They almost lost to Gardner Webb to open the season. They won that one by 2 points and then they've played like Southeastern Louisiana and I don't even remember Wagner. No, some, something like that. Some tiny school. So this will be Colorado State's first actual like D1 versus D1 school. Um, whereas South Carolina has already kind of tested their medal against Clemson a little bit. So, yeah, ultimately I picked South Carolina in this one. I think it's going to be close. Uh, Nico Medved at Colorado State is a very good coach. Of course, uh, South Carolina fans should be familiar with that name because they a lot of people wanted him to replace uh, Frank. Nico Medved, of course, uh, coached many years as an assistant and head coach at Furman, so he's familiar with the Palmetto State. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it should be a home game for south carolina i guess uh there'll definitely be more south carolina fans than anyone else uh in that stadium tonight so maybe college of charleston i guess but um (laughs) so yeah that uh, that, that's going to be an interesting to watch one to watch and then as the bracket updates obviously we'll have previews for the rest of the games throughout the weekend they play again tomorrow and then they will play their final game on sunday hopefully in the championship, but that's going to take winning. You know, tonight. it's possible.
1: It's, you kind of look at the way this, this bracket sets up, right? Um, and I know Ken Palm's on everything, but he does a really good job of breaking down college basketball and numbers and things like that. South Carolina's fourth out of eight in the Ken Palm rankings of the teams in this field, but all three teams ahead of them are on the opposite side of the bracket. That's uh, Virginia tech um, Penn state who just beat Furman by five and Furman. So, you wouldn't see any of those teams till the championship game. If you got there, you've got to be Colorado state first, and then it would be either Davidson or college of Charleston tomorrow. I think opportunity is kind of the word here, right? Um, this is an opportunity for Lamont to kind of make a statement. you well, maybe not win the whole weekend. That might be a little bit shooting too much, but go two and one this weekend in kind of a fun home environment, test yourself against probably three quality opponents. You're going to see this weekend. Um, there's not really much downside. Obviously, you don't want to go 0-3 or whatever, but there's kind of an opportunity for growth here for this team this weekend, and it's kind of what you want with year one and a rebuild, an opportunity like this this weekend, these three games. Yeah,
0: I hope people are keeping their uh, expectation like in the right place because, um, to me, they've already exceeded expectations uh, by getting that win over Clemson last week. And, um, yeah, as long as you don't go 0-4, I think – you're pretty happy with the way that the season started off. Um, you got to be pretty happy with the way that your star freshman has been performing thus far. He's averaging almost a double-double, 15 points and nine rebounds a game through two games. Um, I think we we talked about it as we were kind of previewing things, as we called Hayden Brown a potential uh, fan favorite. And I mean, he's playing great. Uh, And we've also just talked about what he brings leadership-wise to this team. he's He was a really smart piece uh, for Lamont Paris to to add to the team. Um, and he, you saw several times throughout that Clemson game, him kind of keeping some of the young guys uh, centered and in check in some of those big moments down the stretch against Clemson. They do need to get better at shooting free throws. Um, they struggled a bit, especially in some opportunities where they could have just put that game away against Clemson. Um, but As far as effort and hustle, I mean, they out-rebounded Clemson like 52 to 30-something. It was like
1: 20-plus. Effort's not a problem here. These guys are playing hard. Um, You can see that, SC State and Clemson. Yeah, so if you can keep some of that same
0: juju going forward, uh, they're going to win. If if you out-rebound teams on your schedule, especially comparable teams on your schedule by 20 rebounds, I mean, you're going to surprise some people in some of those games, so.
1: My only thing this weekend to keep an eye on is kind of the rotations. Um, three games in four days is a lot for a young team, a team without a lot of experience, without a lot of depth, too. We've kind of talked about how does Lamont kind of work minutes and get guys involved this weekend, especially when you start looking towards tomorrow and Sunday when, he's at, when you're on the third game of that. I think that's kind of a good barometer for how he feels about his bench, about his depth, about what combinations work, um, just how he kind of tries to play this with so much basketball compression in a short period.
0: Definitely. So that'll be exciting to watch. Uh, come join us in on the Insiders Forum on GamecocksGroup.com for both those live threads today um, and throughout the weekend, and uh, also on Saturday as South Carolina attempts to <laughs> make it interesting against uh, the what their fifth ranked right fifth ranked falls number five Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, sorry for the abbreviated episode. I think we got a little pe- petered out because we ran almost 30 minutes and then it uh, crashed out on us before. So uh, we'll be back here on Monday to kind of review what happened in Tennessee, review what happened in all the basketball over the weekend. And um, in the meantime, visit Gamecocksgroup.com for the latest on some recruiting stuff tomorrow, some more game preview for Tennessee. Uh, and all the basketball stuff. Until next time, this has been the GameCockScoop.com podcast with Caleb and Alan. See ya.